Mathis. They didn't want to drop it on this boy's record. He is a threat. He is stunning. Take that. What a start for Liverpool. Still Madrid. Looks like Shannon. Early in the game. He's entitled to be a little nervous. But was he? You bet your life he wasn't. Miller. Lovely cushion header. But Joe! Oh, you beauty! What a headshot! What a head! It's finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That Rooney goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City is still alive here. And let me tip my hat to the genesis of this goal. Balotelli, Aguero! All right, so... National Sign Day is done. Uh, it was last Wednesday, February 4th, and now a lot of players have signed with some teams. Uh, the Big Ten is looking pretty good right now. Top draw soccer, they have you know, uh, four of in the top 20. Uh, we have J.R. Eskelson on, uh, JR Eskelson on uh, from topdrawsoccer.com. How's it going, J.R.? It's going quite well. Thanks for having me, Brooks. No, no problem. Um, well, I guess we can kind of um, first question would be, you know, like I said, four Big Ten teams made Top Draw Soccer's top 20 recruiting class for 2015. Now, out of those uh, four classes, so Maryland, Michigan State, uh, Michigan, and Ohio State, which class do you think will have the biggest impact for their team next fall? I, I think Maryland has the potential to have the biggest impact. Uh, I think the big question I have with Maryland is how many of these players end up on campus. And the the problem with recruiting some of the like the top top elite youth soccer players in the U.S. is these guys will end up signing professional deals if they're that good. So th- th- that's the question with Maryland. If Maryland gets most of this class onto their campus and geared up for the fall season, I, I think this Maryland recruiting class could be very good. But there's already rumors flowing around about a couple of the guys getting interest from MLS clubs and it just it becomes a difficult tug of war because you're trying to hold on to these players that you've just signed to a national lawyer of tent, but their MLS clubs are trying to get them on the books with their clubs. So I, I think Maryland has players that have potential to be immediate impact players. And I think they have one of the best recruiting classes in the country, but it's, it's all about will they get these guys on campus at this point. Now, out of that Maryland class, I know I see Sebastian Elney's a five-star U.S. national team player. I'm assuming he's probably getting interest from that, from professional uh, soccer clubs. Um, who else is kind of, you know, is on the kind of the fence of staying or going at Maryland? Uh, so Jorge Calix from D.C. United, he played at the U.S. youth level, and he recently played with Honduras at the U-20 level. He trained with D.C. United during their preseason camp. And, I mean, that's usually a pretty good indication of what these clubs feel about the players, along with Eric Williamson, who's his club teammate. They both were their two academy players who D.C. United called up to train with the first team and Williamson also spent some time with the U.S. U18 men's national team down in Guadalajara as part of the Copa Chivas event. He's an outside winger type of player. He likes to cut in and rip off shots. Uh, I think he could use a couple of years of college. I think that would help him but a lot of these clubs are looking at these players and they're thinking like hey we want these guys now because we think we could do a better job of developing them. So I, I think that's what the push is and then the other one that's seems to be the most likely is Fito Avale from Real Salt Lake, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Utah originally, so he's going to be a homegrown player for RSL. And 
he's a very technical player, really gifted type of player, and I think he'd do well at the MLS level. But if he did end up at Maryland, he, he could be a huge difference maker. He could play in the midfield. He could play left back. He could play pretty much a lot of spots for Maryland. But I, it seems unlikely he'll end up at Maryland, but he's a very good player. I mean, how do you have to feel for Sasha Sarovsky, who keeps recruiting these guys, but then they keep leaving? I mean, like you said, it's kind of the give and take here. With when you recruit the top guys, you're probably you might lose them. But I mean, Sarovsky does a very good job, you know, uh, training these guys and preparing them for the next level. I mean, a lot of guys play for the U.S. Men na- men's national team that have gone on after playing on for Maryland, you know. But I mean, how do you have to feel for the Maryland soccer program at, in general? I mean, he runs a great program there, so I think he understands what he's doing when he recruits these guys, and that's why when you look at Maryland's class, it's big. There's a there's a lot of kids in this class, mm-hmm. so I, I think Maryland over-recruited a little bit with the expectation they'll lose a couple of these guys, because last year, that's what happened to them. They had USU 20 uh, forward Romain Gall there, and they also had the Canadian youth standout Jordan Hamilton. They're they both committed to go to Maryland, and both those guys ended up signing professional deals. So Maryland's sort of like, okay, well, this is a changing landscape of soccer, especially for elite college programs. Let's let's make sure we have our bases covered for next year because they didn't have a huge class in 2014. They relied on transfer. They had, I think, only one freshman really step up from that class. So now 2015 comes around big class. They're making sure they cover all every position. They make sure they have cover for every position. So I, I, I think Sasho and his staff understand that's what that's what the future for college soccer. And I think that's what these classes are going to look like moving forward. There's going to be a lot more players in each class just because they have to take care of that with the possibility these kids sign professional deals instead of coming to college. Oh, well, Maryland is coming in at three out of 20. Now the next closest one, you know, our highest one in the top tw- in the top twenty recruiting classes you guys have is Michigan State at number eight. A couple four stars, couple three stars, uh, one small, a couple you know uh, no stars you guys gave them. But I mean, this class looks very good. Hunter Baroni, you know, his two brothers played at Michigan State. Connor Corrigan played played uh, for our plays for the Indiana Indiana Fire. Very strong club program. Daywan Jones, local kid. Uh, Mr. Soccer in Michigan plays for TNT Dynamite. Only a three star, but uh, the the coaching staff really likes him as well. And then Caden Keller from Missouri, uh, four star def- defender. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him. And then the some of the guys the coaching staff are really high on are Ryan uh, Sirakowski from the Chicago Fire, is a four star forward. Uh, can you kind of talk about this Michigan State recruiting class? So the thing I love about Michigan State is what their coaches do is they are so active and so involved with the local clubs and the local development academies. They have such a good idea of what they're getting from their local players. That's why when you look at these these Michigan State recruiting classes, there's a lot of local guys. I mean, you mentioned a couple from Illinois and a couple from Missouri, but predominantly this class is coming from Michigan. And the Michigan State coaches have known these guys for a few years, and they have a pretty good idea of what they're getting. Uh, Ryan Sarowski, the forward from Chicago Fire, he's had an unbelievable year with them. I, I think he got called into the U.S. U18, but he just he scored so many goals for that team, and that doesn't necessarily always translate to the college level. But the way he sort of played, he's, he's a bigger body. He can hold players off. He, he scores with his head. He scores with his feet. He, he's good at the one-touch finish. Those are the types of attributes that I feel like will really fit in well to Michigan State. Obviously, it's going to be hard for the Spartans to find another Jay Chapman, another player to set up the forwards moving forward. 
but I, I feel like when you have that piece up front that you can develop for the next two or three or even four years if you stick around for this whole time, you have something to build around now, and now you have an identity for your team, and it's an identity that already fits the way Michigan State plays. So I feel like he's one of the cornerstones of this class, but that said, I feel like it's a strong class across the board, and I feel like a lot of these guys are going to get some – opportunities to contribute as freshmen. I mean, Hunter Baroni also, I believe, had uh, some stints with the U-17 men's national team, and he's a Crew Soccer Academy Wolves uh, product, um, so it looks like he'll step up. Do you know much about Corrigan or Keller? I've heard, you know, like I said, I've heard good things about them. Um, have you seen them play? I mean, I've seen Corrigan play. I couldn't really tell you much about him, though. It, he's just been passing for the most part. Uh, I really haven't seen much else from this class in terms of looking at them specifically. But from everything I've been told, it's a very solid class across the board with players that they think are going to be helpful immediately. Do you think some of them may have an impact? I mean, do you see Sierra Kowski playing just because they lost Kreutz and Montague up top? I feel like, you know, him and possibly maybe Daywan Jones, who I've heard has a very good burst of speed, very fast guy. You know, do you think maybe those two could possibly, you know, make an impact next next year? I think so. I think, like you mentioned, there's opportunities for these players to step in because of the players Michigan State lost. But I know Michigan State had some depth last year, and I know there's players who were on the bench last year who are eager to step forward, too. But I think this recruiting class will push everyone, and there will be players who emerge from this group who are going to compete for playing time immediately. And I mean, that's how you build a successful program. You keep the guys in your, in, in your program, and you keep the ones coming to your program so they can compete for playing time, and that's what Michigan State has done well. And I mean, there, there's a little bit of shuffling in the Michigan State coaching staff, so it'll be interesting to see what the recruiting class looks like in 2016 and down the line with the new coaches there. Now, uh, the next highest team is Ohio State at 17. Now, Ohio State shocked a lot of people last year with the way they played. You know, you and I said maybe they probably finished, you know, at the bottom or second to last, but they shocked the world in the Big Ten. You know, they bring in a couple recruits. Jake Freeman, I saw from Sporting KC, a four-star defender. Uh, Parker Siegfried, four-star goalkeeper from the Columbus Crew Academy. And then Gregor Solawa, three-star midfielder. I mean, it's a small class, but to be at number 17, these guys must really are going to be impactful for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, and... Man, I'm going to mess up this name. Yam <laughs> Amakwa from Tyler Junior College should help immediately, too. Mm-hmm. He had a successful club career before he went to Tyler Junior College down in Texas. And the Tyler program is excellent. For those who are casual soccer fans, Don Dwyer is just one of the few players who came from the Tyler program who went on to have a successful college and professional career. So I think there's a lot of anticipation about his arrival because I think he will step into the Ohio State lineup and he'll help them immediately. I think when I watched Ohio State last year, I think it was, it was too dependent on one or two players to make a lot of things happen. And I think Yaw can really help diversify the attack a little bit and make a couple of more options out there. The players you mentioned, I mean, Parker is a great goalkeeper, so I, I feel like he's already trying to fight for playing time at Ohio State, and he's a local kid. So I don't think it's a huge reach to say he might be contributing immediately in goal. And Gosh, Sawala from Chicago Magic is a talented midfielder. He can create things with his feet. I don't know if he's going to contribute immediately as a freshman. I think down the line he might be a very good Big Ten midfielder because I, I think it's going to be hard to make your way into the Ohio State program immediately for the style of play they play. But I, I think down the line he could help. You know, and then moving on to Northwestern uh, next. Uh, all about Michigan. Never mind. Michigan sits at 20 in your rankings. You know, they lost 
uh, you know, they lost Salamani, who was back and forth before his freshman year of, should I go to UC Santa Barbara or should I go to Michigan? Well, it turns out apparently maybe he didn't like Michigan as much as, you know, he thought. Transfers to UC Santa Barbara. They lose Tyler Arnone. They lose Adam Grinwis. You know, this is a small recruiting cl- recruiting class for them, but they've recruited well in the past. They've rec- recruited a lot of New York Red Bulls Academy players, which we know that the New York Red Bulls Academy is a very strong academy. So they have uh, you know four-star midfielder, Francis, uh, Marcelo Borges, uh, zero, uh, no-star defender, and then Peter Brown, a four-star defender. You know, what is this Michigan recruiting class, you know, possibly going to contribute to the Wolverines next season? I think the hope for the Wolverines is that they pick up some transfers along the way. Because, I mean, the transfer market is still out there, and it's not like it's already closed. I mean, th- there's going to be some other players that will step into the Michigan State program. They picked up a pretty decent one last year who ended up playing out on the wing. I think that's what they're kind of hoping for to fill out this class. Right now, Francis Atuna from Beachside Soccer Club is, is probably the one they're going to look at to be the immediate contributor. I think he's going to step into Hinga's spot as the forward. Um, he's he's a athletic forward. He, he has He's pretty strong on the ball. He's dynamic. He can create things on his own. And I, I think Michigan looks at him as maybe – maybe the future building block for their attack. So I think a lot of this class depends on him and depends on him immediately helping the Wolverines become a strong team in 2015. And if they add a couple of transfers along the way, it would really help them. But I think a lot depends on him. I mean, Borges is a good defender, and Peter Brown's also a good defender. So I think Michigan's going to round out themselves fine in that respect. But I think a lot depends on how Atune does as a freshman in terms of how you're going to grade this recruiting class moving forward. Now, is kind of like Shaka Daly a little on the hot seat here because he's had a lot of good recruiting classes the past couple years. I'm not saying, you know, he's going to get fired next year, but, I mean, it's time to produce when you've brought in, I think he brought in the last two years some top 10 recruiting classes and very good caliber players. I mean, is it time for Michigan next year to make a better move and to compete more in the Big Ten? Not that they haven't competed, but to possibly win the Big Ten tournament and, you know, end up in first place next year. Yeah, I mean, Shaka Daly's problem has never been recruiting. It's kind of always been somewhere along the lines of the NCAA tournament or somewhere along the lines of producing league play. I mean, it's never a good sign when you leave a program and then two years later they're in college cups. I mean, (laughs) it's a good sign for how you recruited there, but it's not necessarily a good sign for how you coach there. So, I think Shaka Bailey maybe has a little bit of pressure on him. I, I still think he, he can do it. I still think this Michigan team is well-built as a team that can compete in the Big Ten, and I always seem to fall for them because I think there are pieces there that would really help, but they just haven't produced, and it's been hard to justify why they're not producing because there's talent there and there, there's potential for them to really do well in the Big Ten. But I, I think Shaka Daly... He, I mean, I think Shaka Daly's going to have a much better season this in 2015 than he has in the past. I think this team's going to start turning around a little bit more, and you're going to see a little bit more of his identity as a coach. Now, moving on to Northwestern and Tim Lenahan. Uh, Tim Lenahan, another very uh, good coach, uh, you know, up there with Sarovsky and Damon Rensing, uh, and also Shaka Daly. You know, it's very small recruiting class. Um, uh, you know, they have a three-star forward, Camden Boucher, and then Shannon Seymour uh, from the Chicago Fire, a four-star midfielder. Uh, like I said, very small recruiting class, um, but they do have a lot of depth, I feel like. And, you know, in the past with Northwestern, great players such as like Tyler Miller, who's now in Europe, 
Chris Ritter, who plays with Chicago Fire. Linehan's produced a lot of good players. So what can we expect from Northwestern next year in the recruits? Uh, she hasn't seen more time. I mean, he's not a big player. So it, it should be interesting to see how he does in college soccer because of how big and physical most of the defenders are in the Big Ten. So he's a he's a creative player. He, he likes to be a little bit flashy on the ball. So I'm curious to see how long um, that's tolerated at Northwestern. <laughs> I get the feeling he might get kicked in the ankles a few times in his first couple of practices. So yeah. <laughs> that should be an interesting uh, change to his playing style. But Kim Boucher is a big target forward, and I think he's kind of a, a good piece that Northwestern might be looking to build for in the future. I think he, he's a potential player to really develop under the coaching at Northwestern, and he really gets better. I, I think Northwestern didn't get the production they were hoping for out of last year's freshman class, and I think this year, when when they mature into sophomores, I think they'll do much better, but this is a tiny Northwestern class. Um, I, I think there's potential for both these guys to maybe help in 2015, but I think down the line they're going to be much better players and they're going to be difference makers in the Big Ten. Now moving on to Wisconsin, very small recruiting class again, but last year they had a very good recruiting class. A lot of the freshmen played. I think they'll be dangerous this fall. You know, it's not that they were bad last year. They were very inexperienced. That's why their record was so poor. You know, two recruits, Ellen Koenig, four-star defender, I believe from your neck of the woods, the LA Galaxy Academy product. And then Abdul Koistra, four-star midfielder. You know, can you kind of talk about these two four-star players for Wisconsin? Yeah, Koenig is a center back. I think it helped that Dave Sirk and the assistant coach at LA Galaxy's first team, his son is the assistant coach at Wisconsin. So I think <laughs> there is some sort of connection in between the LA Galaxy and Wisconsin. And I yeah. think Koenig's a, he's a, he's a good player. He's a, he's a smart kid. I think he reads the game well. So I, I think there's potential for him to develop into a, a solid college center back. I don't know much about the Rush Wisconsin kid. I, Abdul is, is a little bit of a mystery, but when you recruit a kid from your neck of the woods, you'd hope that the Wisconsin coaching staff has done their homework and they understand what it takes to contribute to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like you mentioned, Wisconsin was really young last year, and there's not there's not a lot of playing time available to these two players just because of how many players Wisconsin has coming back. So I, I think that's the question mark here, but I think Koenig is going to be a good player in the future for this Wisconsin program. Yeah. I still can't believe he leaves warm, sunny California for very freezing Wisconsin. He may, he may forget that in the future. He may. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to Penn state, um, a uh, very small recruiting class for Penn State as well. Uh, Wes Ber- uh, Bergevin, three-star goalkeeper. Uh, McKinley Curran, four-star forward. And Austin Maloney, a four-star midfielder forward. Is that Connor Maloney's sibling, I assume? Uh, I believe so. Mm-hmm. I believe that's Connor Maloney's sibling. Okay. Um, the, the two PA Classics kids are very good players. They're technical players, and I think they're going to do really well in the Penn State system. Penn State plays a similar style to the PA Classics play. So I, I think it's an easy transition for McKinley Curran and Austin Maloney to transfer over to this level. And I think, I don't know if they're going to contribute immediately as freshmen, but I think they'll have some sort of impact as freshmen. And I, I think they could be good players in the future for this program, too. I think the biggest question is, do they play a three-five-two next year? That's the biggest question with all the defenders well, they, they do have. They do get the Israeli freshman back, from all I've understood. Now that he's healthy, I think he'll be back in the lineup. I think they'll transition back to a four-four-two or a four-three-three. Mm-hmm. But the three-five-two was exciting for a lot of games. It was. It was interesting until kind of the end of the season where they kind of just tailed off a bit because I'm assuming they were probably a little uh, exhausted from running around so much. 
<laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, now Rutgers, not a not a large class, but not a small class by any means. Uh, uh, five guys here: Thomas Dovell, three-star forward; Mike Fornaro, three-star defender; Brian Hawkins, three-star forward; Zachary Perez, four-star defender; and then Brian Shushakovsky, four-star goalkeeper. Uh, you know, Dan Donigan has been very proven. You know, at St. Louis, he was a very good coach. Uh, he has a good coaching record. You know, are these some guys that can contribute to a Rutgers team? That was young, but a little inexperienced. Uh, can they help improve this Rutgers team next year in the Big Ten? Uh, maybe. I'm not. I'm not terribly looking forward to this group. I don't necessarily see any huge um, difference makers among this class. But last year's best Rutgers freshman was an international recruit, and Rutgers hasn't announced their class yet, as far as I know. So there might still be some international recruits coming in as well. And when you type the pipeline to Jamaica and you pick up a star forward like Jason Wright, there, there's always potential that you follow that up with a star midfielder from Jamaica or, or J- one of Jason Wright's friends. Like Usually one of these things builds on top of each other and you start getting more and more international recruits and you start building the team around these types of players. So I think for Rutgers, when they do get around to announcing the full class, that you might see a few more names in that list, and you might see some players that might have more of an impact than the local kids that they did recruit. For those who don't know, uh, for the listeners, uh, Jason Wright led the Big Ten last year in goals for amongst freshmen, someone I believe that should have probably won Big Ten Freshman of the Year, but, I mean, it does help when you play on a winning team, unfortunately, but he was a very good player for Rutgers. So. <laughs> this is true. This is a valid point you're making. Yes, yes. Uh, let's then move to Indiana. Uh, you know, Indiana, it, not a lot of recruits. Um, you know, they have Reese Buckmaster, four-star midfielder. Uh, Andrew uh, Gutman, three-star defender. Austin Panja, uh, four-star. And then they have Sam Stockton, who's a, you guys didn't give him a rating, and he's a midfielder forward. Um, small recruiting class. Indiana wasn't bad last year after, you know, having that atrocious season the year before where they had to win the Big Ten tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, anyone in this class that could possibly help the Hoosiers? Yeah, a lot of these guys feel like they're like plug-and-play guys. They're similar to the players Indiana has had in the past, and it feels like they could just plug these guys into spots that open up on the field. Austin Panchoff, a, a good player. He's technical with the ball. He sees the game well. He also has a younger brother who's in the USU 17 program, so you can read into that recruiting what you will. Reese Buckmeister is a he's a solid midfielder, and Andrew Gutman is also another solid player. I, I just I, I don't feel like there's a for those who can remember this far back, there's a Tommy Thompson in this group. There isn't that yeah. type of freshman who's going to step in immediately and light up the league. But I feel like there's solid midfielders and solid defenders among this class that are going to step into the Indiana team and help lift everyone up because they're adding another option off the bench for Indiana. I don't think you're going to get like the Big Ten freshman out of the year out of this class, but I think you will get players who will put up quite a few minutes in terms of their debut season. Now, everything aside, you know, rankings aside that you guys have done in the past, you know, five-star, four-star players, which team in the Big Ten recruited well for them, for the freshman, incoming freshmen to have an impact for next season? I think it's Maryland, just because of the hard work Maryland's coaching staff had to do to get that many players to commit to the program and to, to convince that many talented players that what they're doing there is, is worth their time and is worth going to be possibly sitting on the bench or registering for a year. Because, I mean, Maryland's recruited a ton of kids, and it's, it's 
you can't lie to the kids. The kids are smart enough to realize, like, hey, it's going to be hard to get playing time when I come into a class with 10 or 11 kids. So I, I think Maryland's coaching staff did an excellent job. But on the other hand, you're Maryland. You, you should be recruiting the best of the best. So it, it's not that difficult to recruit at Maryland, but I, I still have to give them some sort of credit for the players they did manage to get there. I, I feel like out of that class, you're going to see probably the Big Ten freshman of the year. Just because there's an opportunity there for an attacking player to emerge from that group of players and to get quite a few goals because Maryland's still going to have the midfielders to set those types of players up. So I think there's a big chance for Maryland to produce the freshman of the year from this class. So my next question was, which player or players will have an impact for their team next fall? We kind of talked about that a little bit going over each team. Just like, do you have specific maybe two that will really stand out for a team or different teams? I really want... I'm. I don't know if he's going to have an impact. I'm really curious about what Ryan Tawarski does at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I, I saw him play down at uh, Florida for the Academy Showcase, and he was just scoring goals by the buckets. He was heading things in. He was finishing crosses. He was just doing everything you want to do from a target forward. And I, I, as I mentioned, it's not that easy for a player to transition from the club level to the college level because you're going from a different style of play, you're going from different coaches, you're going against different defenders. There's a lot of things that are different, and sometimes it's hard to make that jump. But from what I've seen from him, I'm curious about if he makes that leap, he still has the attacking instinct. He still has the instinct to score those scrappy goals. And if Michigan State continues to play the same style as they played in the past, I feel like there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to be in those spots and to finish off those chances. He just seems like the type of player who's going to score those ugly goals, who's going to put a toe on a ball at the far post. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see how he does at Michigan State. And the other one that we mentioned before that I also am curious to see is Francis Atuhene from Michigan. I, I just – I'm. I want to know what he's going to be able to do at the at the college level. He, he's done really well at the club level, but he hasn't been at the academy level. So I'm really curious to see what he's going to do now that he makes that jump from a high high school level to a college. And sometimes that works out well for these recruits, and sometimes it doesn't work out well. So I think I think those are the two players that I'm really curious to see at the Big Ten next year. Now, what Big Ten team just really just kind of – just did not do a good recruiting job. They didn't fill the positions they needed with young talent or to build, help build for a better future. Which team just really just was disappointment? I, I think the, the Rutgers is the disappointment just because they haven't announced their, their signing class yet. And I mean, it, obviously things are still going to come along and things are still going to come up. So sometimes it's not just on the coaching staff or it's not just on the uh, sports information director at Rutgers. It's, it's it's trying to get that try information out. And right now, when you look at that Rutgers class, it kind of looks like the weakest among the groups. But there's also that possibility that Rutgers is still holding on to their international trans or their international recruits. So you don't really know what it's really going to look like when August comes around. So right now, I think Rutgers looks a little bit weak compared to the rest of these classes. But I, I think I think Rutgers could have the potential to really jump up when they add a couple more pieces to this class. Recruiting aside and everything, for next year's Big Ten, a lot of players have left. Uh, new players are playing. You know, who do you think comes out and wins the Big Ten next season, the regular season? And then who do you think maybe wins the Big Ten tournament? 
I, I think Maryland's going to win the regular season, and I'm going to pick Indiana to win the tournament. And the reason I'm picking that is because I think Maryland has the depth that they need across the board. I think they're still going to have to sell what they're going to do a goalkeeper for next year, but I, I still feel like Sasha Swarovski and his coaching staff has done such a good job of building a solid program there and a solid infrastructure to continue success moving forward. And I, I think Indiana still has a couple of seniors that are going to be on the roster for next year that are going to push that team to capture the crown. And I feel like the, the Yagley can does such a good job when they're in the tournament that it's hard to knock off Indiana. So I feel like it's going to be a balance between those two programs in 2015. But I don't want to count anyone out. And I think like the Penn State, the Michigan State, those two teams are going to compete just as well. And they're going to be right in the mix too. So. The Big Ten's exciting now. I mean, there's a lot of very good men's soccer programs in the Big Ten, but it's an exciting opportunity for these coaches, and it's an exciting time for the players to be involved in Big Ten soccer. Uh, two more questions. Uh, I think Michigan State's a sleeper team next year because I think people think they've lost a lot with Alashe, Montague, Chapman. Uh, uh, you know, they've lost a lot of what, Kreutz. You know, they've lost a lot of talent. But is this is this kind of a team that is just a sleeper that may come out of nowhere because they have good depth. They just don't have that, I guess, superstar player they've kind of had in the past couple of years. I don't know if you could say they're a sleeper though, because it doesn't seem like anyone sleeps on Michigan State. I feel like Michigan State recruits well every single year. They build a good program and they're always in the top twenty five. So it's kind of hard to sneak up on teams. I feel like Michigan State kind of won the battle of Michigan, the state and now it's kind of like, oh, you might be sleeping a little bit on Michigan, but I don't think anyone can really sleep on Michigan State because of the respect they should command at this point. They've done really well in the NCAA tournament lately. They've, they've been very successful in the Big Ten. There's a lot of positives going for them, but I, I think they, they also have the, the coaching staff that will keep this program competitive for a long time. So I, I, I agree with you in the fact that I think they're still going to be successful in 2015. But I am curious to see how they play without Jay Chapman and the rest of the guys you mentioned because it's been a while since we've seen them sort of play without those types of pieces in there. And for all we know, they replace those guys. They they have good players on the bench to back those guys up, so it might not be a huge drop-off. But the players that they did lose were very good players. I mean, Fate was, what, the third or fourth pick in the draft? Yeah, I mean, fourth, yep. Mm-hmm. He, he, he might not have been recognized much from the Big Ten coaches, but he was a heck of a player, so... I, I think that Michigan State has some holes with it, but I also think they have the, the staff there to fill those holes easily. Yeah. And my final question is, you know, everyone's loved Maryland since they've been in the ACC. You know, amongst the media and I guess the SID picks, as you've kind of, we talked about, you know, they're the favorite. What's it going to take for a Big Ten soccer program to kind of sit, to kind of push Maryland off the, off the edge of the cliff here? Maybe it's an Indiana, maybe it's a Michigan State, but what's it going to kind of take to say, hey, now Maryland's a back a back burner, you know, for this program? <laughs> oh man, um, <laughs> that's that's a tough one. I, I Maryland's been so successful for so long; it's hard to imagine them being pushed off anywhere. I mean, it's 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 like asking, well, is Sasha Sorosky ever going to retire because he's tired of winning? <laughs> I, I don't think so, but. I, I, I guess like there, there's potential that Maryland struggles to find a goalkeeper and the defense is a little bit disorganized. And then maybe Michigan State and Indiana and Penn State all step up and take command of the conference in 2015, and then they build off that with their recruiting classes moving forward. But, I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't seem likely from the success Maryland has the last 
however many years it's been that Maryland will ever step off the level that they've achieved in the past. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Jr., for taking time on your busy day to talk uh, Big Ten recruiting, uh, the 2015 recruiting classes. I uh, hope uh, you have a good day, man, and uh, thanks for coming on again. My pleasure. Take care. Thanks, man. Bye.